Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we are going to deep dive into the best strategies for progression and periodization inside your training for aesthetics. So this is for anybody who wants to get bigger and stronger, so build more muscle and get stronger, or wants to get stronger while losing fat, or just generally wants to get leaner and have a better physique. I think that no matter what, if you are training to lose fat, if you are trying to get leaner, if you're trying to build your physique, you should have some kind of strength metric in play, and you should also be targeting muscle growth, because when you target muscle growth, fat loss is going to be a little bit easier for you, um, and that's a fact. That's what my experience shows me, and today I'm going to share exactly what my thoughts are. Um, I share a couple things. I talk about volume specifically and how to manage your volume, um, include some special phases along the way. I also talk about variety and how there is a sweet spot with your lifts and how you sequence your workouts. You should be really targeting some, some repetitive movements and you should be creating more variety with some movements to keep your mind stimulated, but also in the other areas, make sure that you're not changing things up so much that you can never progress. And then last but not least, I talk about a combination of a linear periodization model as well as a double progression periodization model, which I believe is the most effective when we are talking about um, periodization as a whole for a when you put those together. Um, And on top of all this, we actually start the podcast with a bunch of just random talk. So if you want to listen to me and Travis talk about kicks, we talk about uh, life, we talk about uh, music, we talk about concerts, we talk about experience and hobbies, talk about a bunch of random stuff, but I think it was a cool conversation that you will enjoy. Now, if you love this show, please do me two quick favors. First, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review, and then head over to Instagram, post a screenshot of the show on your story, and tag me at Cody.BoomBoom. I want to see it. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to share it on my story too. Let's get on to the Q&A. All right. Welcome back. Another episode. That's right. Feeling uh, colorful today. Yeah, you are. That's I, a dope sweater. I usually don't wear colors. Sweater and sweatshirt at the I same thing. always wear black. Yeah, that's like a sweater. I think it's just... Hoodie. A sweater, hoodie would have a hood. Yeah. Oh. So it's a sweater because it's like a crew neck, crew, crew neck, neck hoodie, crew neck sweatshirt, sweater, whatever you want to call it. All right. Now. Uh, yeah, I never wear colors, and I looked in the mirror and I was like, "Damn, I got quite a bit of colors on right now." Yeah. Look at the bottom of these fucking shoes. Good. Every color. The golden black. These are my favorite shoes. Yeah, I like those shoes too. Yeah. Super comfortable. Yeah. The Ultra Boosts are probably the most comfortable shoes I own. Yeah. We're going to have to do an episode on shoes. We might have to. Dude, that would actually <laughs> – <laughs> we should do a YouTube video oh, no. on uh, – I don't even know what you call that. The kicks edition, the kicks of the day, kicks of the episode. Ooh. We could do like a vlog and just go to your house. This guy has literally <laughs> a whole wall. And actually, the display is the dopest part. Yeah. And you know it. I know. Like it's sick. Like this, all the shelves on like it's all a the bad walls. Obsession. It is bad. It's an expensive one. That's fine. It's better, I cut, better than meth. I cut. <laughs> it's much better than meth. I'm yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact. Choose what you compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your hobbies wisely. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I've actually cut down quite a bit. I've been better. 
um, I think Christmas, I just got a ton because I was like, I think I told you both me and Shannon were like, we're going to buy Like, we're like, Hey, I'm going to give you a little gift, but like, here's some money. You buy yourself something. I'm going to take some money. I'm going to buy yeah. myself something. And so I was like, what do I want? I'm going to buy like three pairs of training shoes. Yeah. And then you got me two pairs of shoes for Christmas. Yep. Shannon got me these for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I left with six pairs of shoes. Let's go. That was sick. Now my closet is kind of full again, but, you can um, rely on me on that, man. best, uh, best Nike shoe you own. Oh, not, not. Okay. So this is the way we're asking the question. Not for something that's like, uh, best ever. Cause then you got to like, okay, well maybe like the Jordan ones cause they're so nostalgic or Those something like that. But like the best ones for like that you wear the most or that you like the most that you would regularly that's completely different. That okay. I like the most, most, or I wear the most, the ones you like wearing the most. Probably the two seventies. That's my answer too. Yeah, the two set. I wear those shoes more than any other shoe I own. Yeah, and I get the most compliments on them too. Every time I go to the barber shop. Yeah. Did you get another pair of two seventies? Yeah. Yeah, it's a different color. Yeah. They're so fucking comfortable. Yeah, I got three or four pairs. I got four, I think. Yeah. All black, black and white, all white, and then the black, gold, and white I have the that you got me. Turquoise Mariners colors, the gold and black. And the uh, all whites. The all whites are sick. I yeah. love the all whites. Those are my favorite ones, dude. I have, I think I have five pairs of shoes from That's you, it? from oh. you. Oh yeah, just yeah. from you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I have the NMDs you got me. I have the Ultra Boost you got me. I have the Nike Metcons you got me. I have the Nike Two Seventies you got me. So four, but there could be a missing one in there. Okay, so best shoe ever. You had, to, you had to get rid of all of your shoes and you could leave with one shoe. Your house is burning down and you have enough time to grab one shoe before it goes down. What are you grabbing? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, dude. You have five seconds to answer. Probably five, the LeBron four. one generations. One generations? No, the LeBron ones. Gener- okay. That's the generation is the name of the shoe. Oh. It's the first shoe you ever got signed with Nike. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have no idea what they look like. Yeah. But dope. What are, I, we got you some LeBron snare. We did you get where they were Durant's bingo Durant's. Yep. Dope. I would probably take the all black two seventies with me. <laughs> they're right. just the, the most like they go with anything. Yeah. They're comfortable as fuck. Mine are iconic. Your comfortability. Yeah, for sure. Cause I'll get like, I have, I've prepared. Actually, I got rid of all my Jordans. I gave them to Goodwill, <laughs> but I have, uh, I don't know. I did. I just, <laughs> they were getting dusty. Yeah. Um, I have Yeezys. I have a lot of, Ultra Boot, not Ultra Boost, but NMDs, uh, one pair of Ultra Boost. I have, like, really cool shoes, and then I just wear the shit out of the 270s. Yeah. Because they're so comfortable. I'd say I have six pairs of Jordan 11s. Damn. And of just 11s? Yeah. Fuck. And y- you was, are a Nike store. Yeah, that's Jordan. But, um, but yeah, the Breads are probably the other one. Or the LeBron 7 USA edition that I will never touch the breads are the red and black yeah. 11s yeah i had the uh i think they were called tuxedo 11 lows they're like oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. the reverse space jams or something like yeah. no they're not the reverse space jam <clears throat> what are the ones with the black on the bottom white on top are those space jams no um concords concords they're the reverse yeah concords are sick yeah little shoe sneaker talk for you guys we'll get it that'd be sick to do a little vlog on them for you <laughs> I was like, I don't give a fuck about this. I don't want to reveal my obsession. Obsession, dude. I mean, like you said, I, I love it, but it's better than. I don't even. I honestly don't. 
this was a question that I was asked uh, in 2017 when I was working with Steve Krebs for like life coaching mentorship. He's like, uh, you need to start like kind of, you know, prioritizing some uh, time for yourself, get a hobby, do something just because it's just like work, work, work and, and doing things for everybody else and, and like figure out something for you. And I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, what's a hobby? And I was like, uh, I don't have one. And it was like training was like the closest thing I could yeah. think of. But even to this day, like I can't really say skateboarding because I go skateboarding once every six months. Not a big golfer. I tried to try to talk my brother into snowboarding this year. Didn't want to go. Actually, just ignored me. Um, I don't have anything, dude. So at least you have. I have several yeah. hobbies. Yeah, you're you're a busy guy. Yeah, you do a lot of shit. And even when we were growing up, wakeboarding, snowboarding. Oh, um, I well, I didn't really wakeboard. I competed in water skiing. Oh, okay. Yeah. You didn't. You never wakeboarded. Well, I did. But okay. I water skied more regularly. Oh yeah. Okay. Trained. For, for some water. reason, I thought I saw a picture of you wakeboarding. I mean, you probably did. Yeah. But camping, anyway. fucking sh- buying shoes, golf, going to concerts, video editing. Oh, concerts! Big concert. You've been to a lot of fucking concerts. Yeah. Damn, that's one thing I'm jealous of. Yeah. I wish that could be one of my hobbies because well, I love I, going to concerts. I lived in San Antonio for a while, and dude, I went to a concert damn near every weekend. That's crazy. Yeah. So much live music in Austin. Yeah. I feel like in Seattle, there's a lot of like underground shit. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. The, there's like very rarely something will happen in like you Tacoma Dome or Key Arena. Yeah. Yeah. Key Arena is still a thing, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking, what am I thinking of? Kingdom. Kingdom. I was thinking of the Kingdom. Kingdom. <laughs> That's much better. <laughs> they took it down. So there is a key arena still. Yeah. I was just, I think it, I thought of that because there's no Sonics. Yeah. So I was like, no, oh, there's no key arena. But it's still there, man. It's still there. Um, but like Sasquatch, sick. Like, What's huge. that? Sasquatch, it's like a mini festival in Seattle mm. uh, right around, I think, Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. Just music and shit like that. Oh, yeah, dude. They're huge headliners. I used to, I used to want to go to Warp Tour really bad. Yeah. Went there a couple times. Like punk more yeah. punk stuff that I used to do but yeah the, I, I, the only concert I've been to so I went to the first concert I ever went to was Lincoln Park Dome, and Chevelle opened up for him super what good concert have? no I went with John Hildebrandt oh good you, you know Katie Hildebrandt yeah her little brother yeah. um, and his dad because I was like 13 nice yeah sick um, and then I went to Taking Back Sunday I've been to an Aiden concert which was a local band yeah. but we don't listen to them anymore because the singer is now in jail for running a sex cult. How'd you hear this? Uh, the news. The news. <laughs> My brother sent me a link to like Fox News. Whoa. Yeah. It's a band we used to listen to. I mean, the guy went to our high school. Oh, yeah. So don't listen to them anymore. <laughs> yeah. And Will I, is his name. That's crazy. I, I believe so, yeah. Will Control was his, his um, stage name. Controls? Will Control was his stage name. Whoa. Yeah. That's fitting. Yep. He's the lead singer for Aiden. <laughs> okay. He, he went single. Um, and that's all I've ever been to. Oh, no. I went to a, I went to a Wiz Khalifa concert. Yeah. And then, actually, now, now the thing, but I also went to a Prophets of Rage comfort, concert. Sick band. I took Vinny yeah. there. Now, this is like actually a couple years ago. It is Rage Against the Machine and Public Enemy and S- Cypress Hill. What? They morphed into a super band. So... <laughs> Rage Against the Machine plays the guitar, the drums, the bass, um, and then Cypress Hills uh, frontman um, Be Real, and then uh, um, Public Enemies Chuck D came together, and Chuck D raps, Cypress Hill raps over Rage Against the Machine music, yeah. 
but they would so Cypress Hill's singer would actually he would sing some of the Chris Cornell lyrics from the Audio Slave stuff and of the the Rage Against Machine shit. It was dope, dude. Sick. Really good concert. You'd be proud of me, man. I watched uh, Hip Hop Evolution. Yes. Three episodes. Which ones did you watch so far? Did you start at the beginning? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not that interested in that far back genre. I like the history. No, no, I love genre. I just. I didn't, but, but I didn't the, get really interested until like Biggie and Pac and right. Too Short. And I mean, if you go to the beginning, it's like uh, you got to listen to. I mean, the Two Live Crew one is cool. Yeah, it because they got they got so they were really really big. They were the first ones to do like nasty rap, and they got banned from stores for the shit that they would talk about. Like wow. it was like really bad. Um, but that was still that was like eighties, yeah. you know. So they were doing like a lot of that stuff. Um, some of the old MC stuff, you listen to it on the Hip Hop Evolution. The music. I don't like, but I like the the story behind the history and stuff. Uh, but you watched the Eminem one? Yeah, I watched the Eminem one. I watched the San Francisco one, and I watched the – So, like, E-40 in the Bay? Yeah. Okay. And then the one with, like, Fat Joe and uh, – actually, I think that's the same episode because they're all talking about all freestyle yeah. and, and the, uh, like – They go into the New York scene with, like, uh, Wu-Tang and – Yeah. 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 And how uh, Digital Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, Most Def, uh, yeah. Talib Kweli. Most Def, dude. I, that was wild. Yeah. Dude, he was so good at freestyle. So good. Holy man. Dude, that was, that's like a, I highly recommend anybody listening to this that likes hip-hop, go watch that episode. Netflix. Netflix. Dude, free. It's, it's so good. And then the recent one's my favorite because now they got into – the last ones I watched, they did 50 Cent. They did T.I., Lil Wayne. Um, they also did like Master P and the Hot Boys and stuff like that yeah. from Louisiana, but that was all stuff that like we kind of grew up to. So like seeing that stuff is really really cool. Yeah. And now it's funny because I just been bumping old Lil Wayne and, and Fifty Cent. Unless you never stop, dude. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like new music. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I've been listening to Tory Lanez. Yeah. Quite a bit. I'm yeah. a big Tory Lanez guy. Yeah. Three songs. <laughs> On repeat. <laughs> I love that you admit to it, dude. I love it. <laughs> I'm this uh, like notorious. Do you know he has other albums? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm notorious for being horrible with new music, and I'm one of those guys. I'm a very repetitive person, so I eat the same thing for breakfast every fucking day, same thing for lunch every day. I don't. I just. I, I love just being in that routine. And music, I'm the same way. Yeah. So if I'm writing blogs, I have a, an, an Oasis playlist that is on repeat. If I am getting ready to work out, it's basically like if I'm on this is funny, if I'm on the way to the gym, I always bump shooters by Tory Lanes before I get here because it just fires me up and I got to yep. get like amped up to get here. Um, for a while, I think this might have been because Spotify finally fucking got Jay-Z. Yeah. But um, I had like a list of Jay-Z songs on repeat like crazy because that's really good. Um, I'm a repetitive person. I love it. But – we actually are going to talk fitness today, so... I didn't know if we were going to... It was a good little conversation. Yep. Let us know if you guys want us to do another episode or, like, a vlog about that. I think... If nobody does, I'm not going to do about it. About the shoes? Yeah. Yeah. I or anything. Like... I want, I want you to take a picture of your room and just show people so they can appreciate it. Maybe we'll post it in the private Facebook group so they can see. Because those are the... Those if are the diehard listeners. Maybe, but... You got quite a bit of shoes. It's a it's an admirable dude. The first ad, question, m- admirable. Yeah. Fuck. You get, can I borrow your hooked on phonics, bro? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's 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 let's. The first thing this. my family asked me at Christmas every year, how many pairs of shoes you got this year? How you, how, what's the most expensive pair of shoes you bought? Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> Mike, dude, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's me and my accountants. 
for my uh, financial advisor. Yeah, business. no shit. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get on to it. So the question, we're going to talk today about the best progression or periodization model for aesthetics. So I posted in the um, Facebook group and basically said, if, if you could ask me or if you could have me record a single podcast on one topic, what would that topic be? And there's a lot of comments. And somebody said training periodization. Somebody said programming for training. Somebody said uh, what's the best way to progress your training for hypertrophy. There was probably like five or six questions that were basically like how should we look at periodization or progression or training in general for hypertrophy. Um, and I think there's a, there's a few main points to cover with this. And the first one being is that if you, you have to have something, speaking of being repetitive, you have to have something that's repetitive enough to ensure progression. So I think this is the biggest issue with people who want purely, um, and I kind of, I, I dance on the line with this because I understand people need motivation and enjoyment and novelty as something, but yeah, more if, routine. if you, if you don't, if you change things too frequently, um, so when we change an exercise, right? So like we'll do an exercise this week and we get super sore from it because it's a new exercise. We're hitting the fibers from a different position, different, uh, stretch shortening cycle. Uh, there's a different amount of tension, a different, uh, positioning of the load, whatever it may be. And this creates soreness and that soreness creates muscle damage. That muscle damage likely leads to muscle growth. That's a good thing. Um, people end up chasing this novelty and this muscle damage too much and they end up changing the exercise week after week after week after week, right? So like uh, my legs actually, so I started a new phase yes, this week. My legs, my hamstrings are pretty damn sore because I was doing stiff leg deadlifts with a three-second negative. I haven't had stiff leg, barbell stiff leg deadlifts in my program for uh, probably a couple mesocycles, so a couple blocks, and they just lit up my hamstrings. That's good. Yeah. But if I change that next week, so I can continually chase that soreness, I'm never able to progressively overload that movement. And the key to hypertrophy is progressively overloading either load or volume, just getting better at it, right? So the point with this is simple. For the stiff leg deadlift, I'm gonna do the same thing next week, but I'm gonna try to add five pounds or I'm gonna add two reps. The next week after that, I'm gonna add five pounds or two, two reps. The week after that, I'm gonna do the same, then I'm gonna deload, and then I might change it to a single leg deadlift or a good morning or a different, like a landmine or a kettlebell or a dumbbell or something, to change something to create that novelty again, but it doesn't happen for three or four weeks. And I think that's the biggest issue is people want to build muscle, they wanna change their aesthetic physique, but they are doing it through means of like CrossFit or group classes or they're going online and picking up workouts or for example, they watch our YouTube video or our Instagram video and they're like, oh, I'm gonna try this this week. It's like, try that, steal that workout I did, but do it for the next four weeks and continually progress on it, right? So the number one point inside of progression and periodization for aesthetics um, and, and mainly for hypertrophy because even if you wanna lose fat, you wanna train to build muscle essentially um, is you have to have a, a solid consistent set of exercises that you are going to progress over time. You can't have too much variety, and that's point number one. Too much variety leads to zero progressive overload because you can't progress something that you haven't done more than once, right? Um, so that's the first biggest point. Now, where you adjust volume, or I mean uh, exercise selection to stimulate your brain, because here's the thing too, is if you do the same thing for too long, it gets boring as fuck, and then you're just not motivated to train hard, and if you're not motivated to train hard, you're also not gonna progress. Yeah. So here's kind of where my sweet spot is as we're talking about programming. Um, the compound lift will stay, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about exactly how to actually progress these from a reps and intensity standpoint, but the compound lift is gonna stay, 
ideally for 12 to 16 weeks, which seems like a really long time, but we are going to vary intensities and load and, and reps and stuff over that 12, 12 to 16 weeks, but three to four months, that's three to four blocks or mesocycles. A mesocycle is like a, a month period. A micro cycle would be like a training week. Um, and then a macro cycle would be the year. Like what's your long-term goal? Um, but three to four mesocycles. So actual phases of your, of your program, you should have the same compound lift because for me to progress on my barbell back squat or my bench press or my deadlift, it takes a long time. Um, it's not something that's going to jump up like that. And there's a lot of room to grow, right? It's a barbell back squat. We can add a lot of weight. We can slow it down. We can do a lot of things to progress that a dumbbell reverse lunge. You don't much have much room to grow, right? Whatever I can max out on an a rep dumbbell reverse lunge, I'm probably going to like grow within five pounds, 10 pounds of it. Maybe, you know what I mean? Especially after doing it for a while. So, um, a bicep curl, same thing, a one arm row, same thing. Um, so there's kind of layers of how we progress these for exercise selection. The first layer is compound lifts. Those are going to stay for three to four mesocycles. That's going to be, um, 12 to 16 weeks, assuming that each mesocycle is about four weeks long, but that could also be like nine to what would that be? Nine to 15 weeks. If you do three week uh, mesocycles, uh, after that, we have accessory work. So this is where we've hit our compound lift, which is going to be squat. Let's say today. Then we go on to the stiff leg RDL I was just talking about. That's my accessory lift. It's not my compound lift. I'm going to keep that for two to three weeks. Gotcha. So that's enough time for next week. I'm going to add weight to it. Um, and then the week after that, I can add maybe a little bit more the week after that I'm either going to deload. So drop the load, or I'm going to change the exercise, which is in a way it's a nervous system deload anyway, because it's a new movement. I have to lower the load so I can practice the movement. I stimulate the muscle from that novelty, get a little bit soreness. And then I try to progress for a couple more weeks. I know for me and my experience, three weeks is kind of the sweet spot. Week one is kind of that familiarity stage. I get used to the movement. Week two, I kind of build on it. Week three, I, I peak by building on it as much as I'm probably going to. And then I switch the movement. And by week three, I'm kind of bored and ready for something new. But I can keep that compound lift and still progress. After the accessory work is the third layer. And this is isolation work. Isolation work is going to be anything after these accessory movements. This is where, so for me yesterday, it was lying leg curls, uh, leg extensions, um, calf raises, and then I did some ab work. For those movements, I'm going to, um, those are going to change probably just as frequently as the RDL, but you can have more variety week to week. So for example, just to stimulate my mind, I could also, and this is, depends on how advanced you are. If you are... I guess it wouldn't even matter how advanced you are because you could argue both ways. The more advanced you are, the more you should stick with something and build on it. Or you're so advanced that you're probably not going to be able to build on it. So more novelty is good. But either way, this is the isolation work. Uh, for me, it was those things. So next week, I might go single leg leg extension instead of double. I might go um, single leg leg curl. I might go single leg uh, calf raises. Or I might do tempo. So I might go three up, three down at a pause. Um, I know I'm not going to be adding tons of weight to my leg extension over time because I've been doing it for so long. So I'm going to change tempos. I'm going to change pauses. I'm going to change variety within that movement every week just to keep me excited about training. And then after three weeks, I'm going to make a big change with the load or the uh, volume. So I might go from 12 reps to 15 reps, or I might go from um, a, uh, a like a 80% of max over to 100% and jump the load. And then after that is going to be layer four. This is like kind of like your finisher. This is like the metabolite training. So for me yesterday, that was my ab work. I might change that every week because it doesn't matter. If I stimulate the muscle of my abs, they're going to grow. So yesterday I did weighted sit-ups and hanging knee raises. The week after that, I might do um, like sprinter sit-ups or reverse crunches or a glute ham raise sit-ups on the glute ham raise machine, a plank, something like that. Um, and on an upper body day, the same layers apply. 
bench press stays for three to four blocks, which is going to be 12 to 16 weeks. Accessory work might be like a dumbbell overhead press and a chin-up. I'm going to keep that for three weeks at a time and try to progress those. After that is more like accessory work. So I might be a T-bar row with a posterior fly. I might change slight variations in that over the three weeks, but keep the movement the same. And then my finisher might be a dumbbell curl and a tricep pushdown. Every week, I might do a different dumbbell curl and a different tricep pushdown just to keep my mind in the game, but I'm still doing that same movement because again, a bicep curl, how much am I going to add to that? I can't, I'm not going to go from like, I'm doing 30 pound dumbbells to like, eventually I'll be doing hundred pound dumbbell curls. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I can go week one seated dumbbell curl, week two seated single arm, week three barbell curl, and it's all palms up supinated grip, right? The second upper body day, it's all hammer grip, neutral grip, but I can still go seated, inclined, standing, neutral bar, dumbbells, kettlebell, like there's so many different varieties of it. Um, but within this like kind of exercise selection layering or system or hierarchy, the way I kind of program this is you're getting your bread and butter from your compounds. They'll stay the longest so you can progress. Your accessory work comes next and they're staying long enough to, to progress on them, uh, but not so long that they get stale or you stop having that stimulus, uh, that progressive overload, because you can only do so for so long. Then you have isolation work and, and finishers, and those have more variety, especially on upper body days because you're going to have more total work done just because there's more muscle groups to work. Um, but nonetheless, they have more variety throughout the weeks, throughout the muscle cycle, because you can do that without suffering your results. So this is kind of like the first step of this whole conversation of progression and periodization is you have to have enough familiarity and enough repetitiveness in the things that actually have room to grow. And you need to stimulate uh, your mind to keep you motivated by creating variety in the things that don't matter as much, but you still need to get that volume in, which is going to be your curls, your lateral raises, so on and so forth. Um, okay. So that's the first layer of this, this uh, idea behind progression and periodization. The next thing is obviously thinking kind of long-term. Um, and this is going to be looking at volume as a, as a, as a, as a spectrum in Everybody kind of has a different volume threshold. Um, I usually, most people as naturals are going to be anywhere between 10 to 20, usually like 10 to 15. Um, Even for myself, most of my muscle groups are 10. And then I'll have like one or two muscle groups per block that is like 15 to 20 where I really crank on. So this mesocycle, it's my back. And uh, I'm doing like a lot of trap and lat work on a fifth day where I just do more volume. So it's like an upper lower split. about 10 sets per muscle group per week. And then the fifth day is just, just demolishing my back, hitting about 20 sets by the end of the week. Um, but if I were to do 15 to 20 sets across the board, my nervous system wouldn't be able to handle it. So the point with this is as we're progressing, it's, it's looking at how can I progress volume slowly over time? And usually that's best done in specialization phases because going above 15 to 20 sets per muscle group, for your whole body just leads to overall too much systemic fatigue. So the way I like to progress this and periodize this is like for, for eight to 12 weeks. So for two to three mesocycles, I'm basically doing a pretty even split of volume across everything except one body part. And it's like a fifth day I come into the gym and I just do pump work on that one body part. So it might be shoulders or it might be, you can even do like shoulders and triceps, for example, or you could do chest or you could do all of your back. I'm doing back and biceps, for example. So you can pair two or just do one. Um, but that's enough to where, okay, this, this next two to three months, I'm going to really try to grow my lats and my traps, get a bigger back. Um, everything else I want to like snail pace, like slowly grow while I really try to push the growth on my back the most. Then I'm going to take probably two to three weeks of not specializing anything, just doing four days a week lifting. And then I add the next part. 
So I'm never overdoing the nervous system, but I'm a st- kind of overreaching one specific body part to grow rather than having too much volume across the board. Um, because otherwise people go, okay, well, if I want to progress volume, that's great. But it's like the, the analogy I gave with the bicep curl. You just keep doing more. So I'm doing, you know, 10 sets per muscle group right now. Once I get used to that, I do 11 and then 12 and then 13. It's like you peak out. You peak out. And two things happen. One, too much systemic fatigue. Two, start to have joint pain. And actually a third thing is you're in the gym for fucking so long. Like if you're really supposed to do that much volume, either A, got to be in the gym six days a week for an hour and a half each, or you're in the gym four days a week for two hours. If you really think about it, because it's like, okay, if I'm doing 25 sets per muscle group per week on my upper body day, that's literally 25 divided by two would be 12 and a half. So you're doing 12 to 13 sets for your chest, shoulders, triceps, leg. like it's just so much shit in a single session. So if you specialize, you can sprinkle in these days where you're just crushing one body part and then the rest of it you're really just focusing on load progression and this is where over time you're slowly adding volume Um, and i would add to this too like you got to remember two things with volume progressions over time you should probably be focused more on increasing your effective volume so as you're trying to slowly increase volume if you slowly increase your form you will increase your volume directly to that muscle that you're working without increasing the number of sets you're doing because you're getting better at connecting to that muscle. You're having harder contractions. In muscle growth, if we really boil it down to one thing, it's it's growing from tension, a tension applied on the tissue of the muscle. So if we learn how to contract harder and better and more effectively, our volume is more effective. So we actually don't need to add numbers. Um, And then the other thing people need to remember about volume and how much you should be doing is going to be that when they do a, uh, a study, like there was a study that they did 45 sets per muscle group per week, and that's just absurd. But one of the things to note is I'm 99% sure, and I've heard multiple people talk about this, if you look into the, the studies, usually what they do is they do a lot of compound stuff. So a bench press is actually going to count for your chest, shoulders, and triceps, right? So now I'm doing a bench and I do four sets. That's four sets for my chest, shoulders, and triceps. And then I do an overhead press, which technically hits all three of those too, where a lot of people go, well, the primary mover of a bench press is your chest. So that only counts for my chest. And they'll count all these sets. I'm like, how are they supposed to do 45 sets per muscle group per week? Well, it's because they're combining these things, right? If I do a deadlift, that's technically my glutes and my hands. If it's a trap bar deadlift or a leg press, it's technically glutes, hams, and quads. So they're combining things. So I don't think 45 sets per per muscle group per week is is truly uh, a good representation of what was done in the study. Uh, But the point being with this is if we look at what the study showed us is, is more volume is typically better, but you have to be able to control that. And I think the specialization days are probably the best way to go about it. Um, so controlling that volume over mesocycles by doing these specialization phases is important. Um, and then the, the last thing for, for that I think goes into this periodization model, because there's inside of periodization, if we look at its like purest form, it's a way that we can pre-plan and progress volume and intensity over time. So typically it it looks like if we just look at a general linear approach to periodization, um, we start with high volume. So that's an accumulation phase. High volume, which is going to be more reps. So we're doing lots of sets of 8, 10, 12, 15, 20. Um, And then as volume decreases, uh, intensity increases. And there's kind of this crossing path. 
um, or if you look at it normal graphs, they'll both be here. Like intensity is low, so intensity would be low. Volume is high, so reps are high. And as volume drops, intensity comes up. And they kind of cross, and then you peak out. So you go through a mm. accumulation phase, uh, an intensification phase, and then a realization phase. And a realization phase is basically the idea of you're peaking. You're peaking at your maximal strength. So if we start with 10s, and then we slowly go down to a one rep max, that means intensity is way up here now. Um, that's classic periodization. And they do this in a cycle, so it's like – you go like 10, 8, 9, 10, 8, 9, 9, 8, 7, 9, 8, 7, 6. Like, and it's, this can happen over months. People yeah. can plan this over years. Um, typically, this is like a three to six week period for accumulation, three to six week period for intensification. And then usually like a, sometimes even like two weeks, but like two to four week period for, for realization, let's say, where you're doing a lot of maximal effort stuff. And then you rinse and repeat. What I think is best for aesthetics and for uh, people who are, uh, just general population is to basically boil that entire concept down into a small frame. So we're doing this on a weekly or like a monthly and a daily basis. So here's what I mean. We start the day with heavier loads and then we slowly increase volume in reps as we go through throughout the day. So we might start with a heavy set of five and then we go into a session work at eight reps. Then we go to like 10 to 12 reps. Then we finish with like high rep, 12, 15, 20 rep stuff. So now instead of spending four weeks doing low reps, four weeks doing high reps, so on and so forth. You're spending each day working a little bit of everything. Um, or the other way to do this is to have each muscle groups hit twice a week and you do one low rep day, one high rep day. That would be a daily undulated periodization or like a conjugate method um, in a way. Those two are going to be, in my opinion, the best for uh, gen pop because gen pop's not peaking for anything. They're not stepping on a powerlifting stage or having the CrossFit games to compete at. So why not constantly be ready and constantly be at your best and working towards progression? Add to that, if you want to build muscle and change your physique, you always need higher volume loads, and this allows that to happen. You don't go through a period of time where you're doing super low volumes and high intensities, but you need to have some kind of accumulation and intensification. Otherwise, you're not getting stronger. So the way I like to do this is simple. Like Actually, there's a new program. I think by the time this airs, it should be in the elite, but it's called uh, the Big Four. So it's an upper-lower split, um, and it's, it's basically like you have your compound lifts of each day, bench squat, deadlift, uh, overhead press. Um, in week one, you're doing three to four sets of nine. Week two, you're doing three to four sets of seven. Week three, you're doing three to four sets of five. And then we, uh, the final week, week four, you're doing three to four sets of three. So it goes nine, seven, five, three. So we drop two reps on the compound each week, which means you can increase load. So what's happening here? Volume is decreasing. Intensity is increasing, right? The same idea of this accumulation and intensification crossing paths. So by the end of each mesocycle, you're doing three reps when you started at nine. So you still have volume there, but then you re rinse and repeat. So every four weeks, you're coming back to this high volume. It's always three sets. Uh, three sets of nine, three sets of I, seven. When I program in the elite for like a compound lift like that, for example, it's, it's usually three to four sets because if a newbie steps in and they – they need more volume because they're not doing as much weight. For example, like I can only back squat 135 pounds. Okay, cool. So do four sets of nine because it's not going to fry your system. But if somebody's squatting 400 pounds or 300 pounds, they have to do four sets just to work up to that 300 pounds. I only want them doing three working sets yeah. because that's a lot of load working up yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Um, and that gives people some wiggle room to adjust to their own volume needs. Um, and I basically do that throughout the whole program. But then after that is like a main accessory work. So I'm actually testing out this program right now. So I did my squat for three sets of nine. Then I did my uh, stiff leg RDL, which was the first thing. And it was six to eight reps. So here's where the progression comes into play. For your compound lifts, you're doing a linear periodization. 
And this means basically the linear periodization is that exact model I'm talking about. Volume drops week after week, which means the reps are getting lower and intensity increases after week after week, which means the load on the bar is getting higher. So I know for a fact, even if I didn't get stronger this week, I can do heavier weight for seven than I can for nine, right? It's a given. It's less, it's less reps. And I know I can do five, so on and so forth. By the time I get to the three reps on week four, I have built more strength than I did week one. So when I come back to three sets of nine, I will be able to lift more weight for three sets of nine than I could have previously. This is just a typical linear periodization. And the program is 12 weeks long. So you'll do this three times in a row. Three, seven, five, or sorry, nine, seven, five, three, nine, seven, five, three, nine, seven, five, three, and you just rinse and repeat. Um, and then when we go into all the accessory work and the isolation work, we're using a double progression model. So a lot of people go, oh, I'm going to do linear periodization. So I did that. And now on my RDL, my stiff leg RDL, I'm going to add weight every week and drop reps. Well, if you do that with your accessory work, then we're doing low volume work because now I go, okay, I'm doing a RDL for six and then what I'm supposed to do it for five or four and then three and then I'm doing like a one rep max on a stiff leg RDL. It's hmm. pointless. Yeah. One rep max on a bicep curl or a lateral raise or even three or five. It's kind of pointless. I like to keep the heavy accessory work like RDLs at a six or above and I like to keep all other accessory work for hypertrophy at eight or above. So instead of doing a linear periodization where I add weight, I'm doing what's called a double progression model. And this is where I have ranges of weight or ranges of reps. And by the end of four weeks, I want to hit that top end range for all of my sets. So here's what this looks like. Yesterday, I did stiff leg RDL and I did three sets of six to eight. So I load the bar with what I know I can do for three sets of six. Next week, I'm going to try to get three sets of six to eight. Next week, three sets of six to eight. The next week, three sets of six to eight. But by week four, my goal is to get three sets of eight, the higher end of that range. So this week was three sets of six, so six, six, six. Next week might be six, seven, six. The week after that might be seven, seven, seven. The week after that, I might get a couple eights and a six. And then hopefully by week four, I get eight, eight, eight. So now I've done a, a more volume with that same load. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, so by the end of the time, like if I could do 205 with a stiff leg deadlift, right, with a uh, three-second negative, for six by the end of it i can do eight so if you do weight times reps times sets that actually gives you your total volume which means my tonnage by the end of the workout is actually way higher i've lifted more weight yeah. so a lot of people forget to, to pay attention to these little details but if i do that across the day so i did leg extensions and leg curls i did calf raises tomorrow um, i'm doing another upper body day so it'll be presses and rows and chin-ups and lateral raises but if i'm doing lateral raises for 12 to 15 reps and I get something that I can do three sets of 12 with, but by week four, I can do three sets of 15. I've added load to that and I've added tension. I've added volume and I've done more on my muscle. So by the end of this three block cycle, these 12 weeks, I'll have literally been able to accumulate more volume over time without sitting here and go, fuck, I have to do more sets per muscle group per week. And now I'm in the gym for two hours. No. Do linear progression for your compounds and double progression for your accessory work. And that's kind of what this idea boils down to. Yeah. So kind of to recap everything we're talking about, the best ways to um, plan your progressions and periodization for hypertrophy and aesthetics is to really focus on not ver making too much variety with your training. Because if you make too much variety, yes, it's a novelty stimulus and it feels good getting sore and you feel like you're growing or doing something. But what you're also doing is creating an environment where you don't have enough time to actually progress anything. You can't get better at it because you're not doing it enough. Um, the second thing was longevity, I think. 
I think that was the thing I threw out there is making sure that you're planning ahead and yeah. oh, managing your volume. That was the thing. So when you're looking long term, manage your volume so you know what you're doing. That's where those specialization phases come into play. And then last but not least, and probably the most important when we actually speak on periodization of what you should use as a strategy is to have a linear progression model for your compound lifts and you stick with the same compound lifts for 12 to 16 weeks. So for me, I'm doing flat barbell bench, uh, strict, strict overhead press with a barbell. I'm doing a conventional deadlift and I'm doing a barbell back squat. Those are my four lifts. I'm not changing them for 12 weeks, maybe even 16 weeks. And I'm gonna try to add load over time using this decreasing volume, increasing intensity week after week effect. And then for all my accessory and isolation work, I work in three to four week blocks doing a double progression model. And that's where you have these ranges of like six to eight, eight to 10, 12 to 15. And you're just trying to be able to accomplish more volume with each movement. Um, and if you put those two together, this is kind of the recipe for getting stronger and building muscle. And I think in most cases, especially for fat loss, that's really what you're after. You want to improve the performance. You want to improve your strength because that's going to have a big hormonal carryover for fat loss as well. Um, and then you want to try to build muscle because if you can build muscle, you're going to be more likely to get lean. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.